0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Troy Ferguson. Well, as, as Donnie mentioned, you know, Pastor Jim and, and Eleanor, Tony, uh, Joni, and Steve, George Bell, not sure if there's anyone I'm missing. They're all in Israel. Did I miss anybody? Jen. Corey? Corey's over there and Jen McConnell. They're all over in uh, Israel, uh, and I don't know if any of you have uh, any of them on Facebook, but several of them have been posting lots and lots of pictures and making us all very jealous. Uh, but just keep them in prayer, obviously. Um, we see different things on the news from time to time, and different concerns arise, uh, but we know God's going to protect them and bless them. Just pray for their, their safe travel on their way home here this week. Amen? Amen. Well, today, um, I have the privilege to, to, to minister and... We're going to get into a few things here, but the first thing that, uh, that I want to talk about uh, is the word recognize. Recognize. So what we're going to look at right off the bat here um, is uh, recognizing certain people or certain groups. Uh, the word recognize, as many of you know, means to identify something or someone you are already familiar with from a previous experience. So, Uh, This first person that we're going to show here in a moment, I'm going to ask, there's going to be a little interaction here today. I'm going to ask if anybody under 30 knows who this is, under 30. So if you, don't say it out if you are over 30, those of you that are under 30, see if you know who this is. Go and put that first picture up. Anyone under 30 know who this is? Under 30. (laughs) Anyone over 30? Okay, who is it? James Dean. Okay. The second one is a music group. Let's see if anyone under 30 as well knows who this is, this music group. Now, this is an 80s, 70s, and 80s music group. Those of you that might have enjoyed some rock music back then, anybody under 30 know who this is? Anyone under 40 know who this is? Does anyone know who this is? Jeff. Jeff Leopard. You're like, Troy, why are you bringing up these heathen people? These were very, very popular cultural icons. Now, this next one is I want to see if anyone over 60, anyone over 60 know who this is? Go ahead. Anyone over 60, over 60. Who is it? Yep, Ed Sheeran. I would assume most people under 30 probably know who that is. Yeah. Why do we know them? We recognize them from, whether it's television, whether a concert, something we've seen, their image, somewhere along the line in our life. Because we have seen that image, or we've seen them in person maybe, we recognize them when we see a picture today. Some of these are are things from the You know, decades ago, and Ed Sheeran is from this decade. And so, depending on your experience, you recognize different people, different groups, based upon your experience. Today, we're going to talk about the word recognize as well, but specifically, what I want to talk about is recognize the enemy. Recognize the enemy couple of scriptures that, that I believe most of us already know, probably have memorized, that we're gonna hit first, and, uh, and then we're gonna go a little bit deeper on some of this stuff. The first one is John 10.10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Another translation says have it more abundantly. 1 Peter 5.8 is another one. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Both these scriptures we're very familiar with, right? Raise your hand if you're familiar with these scriptures. Okay, so about 20% of you don't know these scriptures, then that must mean that you, this is your first time in church. Or you just didn't want to raise your hand. These two scriptures or something as believers we've heard many times. And and when we say, recognize the enemy, we we read these, and you're probably thinking, well, Troy, duh. Of course the devil is our enemy. And I do believe that we recognize in theory that the devil is our enemy, but but here's the thing. The devil isn't an enemy, the devil is the enemy. What I mean by that is, sometimes we look at the devil as just one of the different aspects of our life, That is against us. But the reality of it is, everything that that flows against us in what God has planned is birthed from the devil, is birthed from the enemy. So anything that we we add to that, we are actually adding to something that, and and we're missing what what and who the true enemy is. You know, Pastor Jim uh, did a series of, of powerful messages on called It Is Written, and it talked about the different aspects of the Word and understanding what the Word says, and what the Word speaks. Then he went into a, a, a series on our, our, um, our mission statement. The four dots in our, our logo mean what? Lost, found, grow, go. Okay, you're getting there. And so I, I felt the Lord saying about continuing on that mentality, on the, on the go mentality, and I said, okay, God, we're going to talk about Pursuing dreams, and we're going to talk about moving forward and exciting. And, and God said, actually, what, what I want to talk about in the, in the aspect of go is hindrances as to why we don't go. Hindrances as to why we don't go. Many cases, we don't recognize the enemy, his personality, his character, his tactics, his strategy. Therefore, what we fight against is the wrong enemy. The wrong enemy is something that, that if, if the enemy, if the devil can get us distorted in our thinking and fight against something that's not uh, the true battle place, then what he does is he brings um, confusion and situations to our lives that, that take us out of God's plan and purpose because we're fighting the wrong enemy. The wrong enemy. The first thing I want to look at is my past. My past. Sometimes we are fighting against going to what God has called us to because of my past. Look at this scripture here. Philippians 3.13, another one we should be very familiar with. It says, brothers and sisters... I do not consider myself to yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Both of these have a word that I want to kind of highlight today, and that's forget. Forget what is behind you. Forget the former things, as the other scripture says. Forget. Now, this is something that I believe that we have a little bit of a misunderstanding of. Uh, A lot of times when we think of forget, it is literally we just don't remember. We have no remembrance of this or that. But you and I both know, and the reality of it. In situations and circumstances of our history that have shaped and molded us into who we are today, we don't forget that. We aren't bound by that, but we don't forget it it, as in the respect of do not remember. If you think that, when you look at the scripture, and says, well, I just can't let it go. I just can't release it. I just can't forget about it. Don't think that you are um, not living according to scripture, because the word forget here in the original language is epilenthodomai. Here's what it means. Neglect or no longer care for. So what do we know of the word neglect? Neglect means something that, that you no longer pay attention to. It's still there. It's still real. It still exists but I no longer pay attention to it. In a a negative sense, we know if a a parent neglects a child, that means they don't take care of them. Maybe they're in a situation that that, that is dangerous, and they're not paying attention to them to bring them out of that dangerous situation. They're they're neglecting that child. The word neglect means that that it, it it is in existence, but it's not something we give time to. It's not something we give importance to. It's something we no longer care for. So when it says forget about your past, forget the former things, what that is saying is neglect your past. Don't give uh, authority to it to impact you today because you think about and you dwell on what you've done wrong. If you can neglect the past, neglect the former things, not give attention to those situations can be removed from your focus and moving forward it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist it doesn't mean that you don't remember it but what it means is you no longer give attention to it on a daily or weekly basis neglect the former things so we look at the word past that's one enemy that we fight against that is the wrong enemy What's another one? My current circumstances. My current circumstances. This is an issue that we fight against, and we say things like this. A couple quotes. Boy, the devil's beating me up today. The enemy's winning out today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've said those, because it, obviously you know that that's not a good thing. But I know because I've heard it, and I've read it on Facebook. <laughs> the devil's beating me up today. The enemy's winning out today. These are concepts or mindsets that we are actually giving credit to the enemy. When you give credit to your enemy, you've given him a place of authority. When, you've give, when you give credit to your enemy, you've given him a place of authority. Listen, that doesn't mean that your circumstances will be easy. That doesn't mean that the decisions that you have to make will be simple. But what it means is the challenges that we face in life, we need to recognize that if God is calling us to something, and the enemy is, is, is challenging us and hitting us, we need to recognize that that is the enemy we're fighting, and not to say that, boy, he's hitting me too hard today. I feel exhausted, I feel defeated. Because that isn't scriptural, that's not biblical and that's not the design of Jesus, is for us to be defeated. Matter of fact, if we look at the Bible, we are not defeated. So why at times, in circumstances, do we declare that we are defeated? Do we declare that the devil is kicking our butt? It's because all we look at is a temporary situation. What we need to do is look at the big picture, read the whole book, Understand the principles and the commandments and the promises of the whole Bible, not just look at where I am today and the decisions I need to make today. You may say, Troy, you don't understand the spiritual battle I'm in. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand daily I'm fighting against situations. To that I say, of course you are. If we understand what the Bible says about a spiritual battle, it is something that we will deal with day in and day out. Uh, You know what, let me clarify that. It is something we should deal with day in and day out. If we're not dealing with it day in and day out, then we're not being aggressive. We're not being purposeful. But as we move forward, there will be times... Day by day by day, that the enemy is going to do whatever he can to come against us. So you ask yourself the question: If the enemy is not coming against you in any situation in your life, what are you actually doing in the realm of the kingdom? I want to go back to a scripture that I mentioned a few moments ago: First Peter five eight. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I want to really focus here on a moment on roaring lion. Roaring lion. Now, when we we read this scripture, and I'll just speak for myself, I actually dug into this looking at the perspective of a roaring lion and what that is actually, um, in in the realm of an animal, what that means. Because our mentality is, it means that they're aggressive. If they're roaring, they're, good, they're coming after you. They're, they're on the offense, they're going to, to, uh, to eat you or, or, or attack you. That's the mentality that we have through Hollywood, through cartoons, whatever it might be. The mentality of a roaring lion is that it's, a, it's aggressive and it's going to attack. And there are characteristics of the lion that that is accurate. Otherwise, we know that they are known as the king of the jungle. But the roar, which I believe it's very interesting that this scripture says the roaring lion, not just like a lion, like a roaring lion. Do you know the roar simply means it's a, it's a method of communication to others in their pride, others in their culture. The roar means that there's something, there's something threatening their territory. It's actually not an aggressive response. It's a threatened response. Are you getting this? So, when the enemy is roaring like a lion, that means you are doing something in his territory. That means that you are on the aggressive, you are on the offense, and when he roars, when the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, he actually is in a place that You are invading his area, which is an awesome thing. So, here again, if you feel that the devil, I I recognize that roaring lion, that that beast that, that is responding. If you recognize that, that means you are doing something beyond just your capacity, but you're doing something in the spirit realm in the devil's territory. This is what it means. A lion's roar, ensure that they don't tread on another's territory. It's so that they avoid conflict, not start any. To attempt to scare off intruders. To attempt to scare off intruders. Do you know the lion's roar is about 114 decibels? You think, well Troy, I don't know what that means. I'll say it's much louder than any music you'll ever hear in here. So those of you that think music is too loud, just kick it up about 10, actually about 15 decibels, and that's how loud the lion's roar is. That's why it is scary. That's why it is threatening. But if we understand that that only appears, that only comes about when we are moving into the enemy's territory, that that ever comes about. So when the Bible says, be alert and of sober mind, your enemy like a devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone who he can destroy and devour. It is true that as we move into the enemy's territory, he is gonna do what he knows and can do to attack, to destroy, to bring destruction, that is true. But understanding, it's not because we are in a corner and he's coming at us, it's because he's in a corner and we're going after him. All right? Let's go back to the, the scripture, the, uh, the, the concept of my past and my current situation. These are enemies that we fight that aren't the true enemies. My past, my current situation. We're going to move on to people. People are not our enemy. Listen to the scripture. Exodus 23, 22. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. That means that he'll take care of us. We don't need to fight against people. We don't need to fight against uh, situations. God will take care of us. My enemy isn't my enemy. The one that attempts to defeat me does not have to be the one that I provide with the permission to defeat me. The enemy's purpose is to bring you down, but his purpose does not need to be our problem. It's okay to recognize that the enemy's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But because that's the enemy's purpose, that does not mean that we need to allow that to be our issue, our problem. You say, Troy, that's so that's easier said than done. You you don't know the the challenges and the difficulty. I understand. But if we recognize where the, the battle truly should be in the spirit realm, we're not dealing with issues of personality conflicts and issues of people. We're dealing with the enemy. The one and only enemy. You know, I remember when I was younger, um, I remember hearing a, a term, pick your battles. What does that mean? Pick your battles. Pick your battles means don't fight against everything that's fighting against you, decide and choose which fight is accurate. Don't fight everyone who comes against you. Don't fight everything that comes against you. Pick your battles. Today we pick every battle. Another phrase that I remember hearing, bite your tongue. That means whenever something rises up and even if you know you're right, even if you know that, that you're justified, there are times that we just keep our mouth shut anyway. Bite your tongue. Today, we lose our tongue. What do I mean by today? Today in our culture, um, because, of, because of the mentality that, that we have, because of a lack of respect for authority, because of social media, we look at every opportunity to respond to conflict, to respond to issues, to respond to whatever it is that you disagree with. And there are times that I that I hear something or that I read something that I totally disagree with. Does that mean that every time I see that, do I need to rise up and say, well, here's why you're wrong, and here's why you need to change your ways, and here's what, no. Now, does that mean that we be silent in every situation? No. It's called wisdom. How to respond, when to respond. So, if we can recognize that the battle is not against people, but against, the the, we, we, the Bible says that we do not wage war as the world does, but against principalities and powers of the, the dark age, the dark, darkness, we understand that that's where our battle is, not against someone. We will argue, debate, post on Facebook, any and every time we dis- disagree with an opinion. In the meantime, I believe the true enemy is watching from the sidelines laughing. I believe that the enemy believes in your potential more than you do, which is why he works so hard to stop it. How does he stop it? by distracting us, by showing us where we should be upset at this person or that thing or that area. Who's not your enemy? Your spouse is not your enemy. Children, your boss, a political party. These are all people and that's not your enemy. Why do I bring that up? Why do I bring those specifically up? Many times when we're not happy at work, we, we gripe about or battle about our boss and what he or she makes us do or what he or she doesn't do right. I remember um, when I was you know, younger, you know, just, five, ten years ago, uh, I remember that your boss and what your boss said, kind of, whether you agreed or disagreed, they had a a level of respect and you did what they said. Or else you'd lose your job. Today it's not really like that. Today, if I don't like what my boss, well, not my boss, because my boss is great. But, in case Pastor Jim is watching, I got your back. (laughs) But our boss does things maybe a little differently than we do, and for whatever reason, we feel that it's our right, our privilege, to spew to all of our coworkers everything that they do wrong. Every decision that they make, and why it shouldn't be that direction, why it shouldn't be that way. And and when we have that mentality, we wonder why so many businesses have such a bad morale. It's because everybody feels that they have a right to say and do what they want to do against their authority. Even though it's not a spiritual authority, it's still an authority, and there's biblical repercussions by rebelling against authority. Now, let me put a disclaimer out. If your boss is telling you to do things that's unbiblical or against Scripture, it's a different story. But just in general, if they're making you do things or asking you to do things Our boss is not our enemy. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but political parties, my goodness. If we have a difference of opinion politically, boy, do we get nasty. And you know what? It's just as bad in the church as outside the church. And I could probably spend a whole lot of time on that, but I won't. Your children aren't your enemy. Sometimes you may want to wring their neck, but they're not your enemy. Your spouse. I want to talk about that for a moment. As my wife probably is ready to smack me. <laughs> you know, there are times in, 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 in marriage, in other relationships, but in particular about in marriage, that there's a discussion, there's an activity that we can become upset about, and we become so uh, maybe irate or, or, or angry about something, and we feel so justified. And I want to I tell you a little story. I, this is one of many. Often in November, about the middle of November, Um, actually early November, uh, with the deadline of the middle of November, my wife requests that I hang up Christmas lights outside at our house. We have uh, uh, two different roof lines that we can hang lights on and a nice porch, and God has blessed us with that. And and she'll say, you know, we want lights hung up by such and such a day. Now, I will say this, that um, when she does that, I know that she wants that, I know we do that, we've done it for many years, And, and I'm fine with that in the mentality of doing that. But for whatever reason, I often wait until the very last day that I can to do that. Any guys relate to this, any men? All right. Now, I remember, I think it was Thanksgiving morning, I think my deadline, and I, it, 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 you know, it was a, I think the deadline was Thanksgiving Day. We, she wanted the lights up. Thanksgiving morning, I remember I gather all the lights, test them, make sure they're working. I go outside. It's cold, it's dreary, it's raining a little bit, and I'm mad. How dare she make me do this when it's raining? And Jesus, protect me because if it starts getting icy, I could fall off this roof. I could hurt myself. But no, my wife doesn't care about that. She just wants to get her lights up. That's what's going on in my head. Every light I hang up, I can't believe she's making me do this. Here I go again. I sit down on the roof to do the lower section and like, I could roll off this roof because it's raining and and I'm cold, I'm freezing. She doesn't even come out and ask me if I want any hot chocolate or anything. I can't believe she's making me do this. At that moment, I'm angry, I'm bitter, I'm cold, I'm wet. My enemy at that moment is my wife. Now, never mind that she asked me to do this three weeks ago. Never mind, there were days that were sunny, and she said, You probably should put the lights up today. I got another four days. Never mind all those opportunities that I had. But I waited to the last moment, and I had to do it in the morning because we had a special family thing for Thanksgiving Day lunch. So I had to do it in the morning. I couldn't even sleep in. So why, why do I say that? At that moment, and I will, I will tell you this, for the most part, once I'm done and I come inside, I hope that she never knows how angry I was. Because I guess maybe the Lord works on me at some point in that whole process. But while I'm doing it, man, I'm ticked. And I, just, I, I say that as one example. There are different times in our lives that our spouse or maybe our, a close friend asks something of us, and because we have procrastinated, because we haven't made a decision, because of whatever thing that we have done, we've waited until it's almost too late. And then we get upset at that person. This wasn't my wife's fault that it was rainy and ugly and cold. It wasn't that she wasn't merciful and grace, gracious. It was that she asked by a certain timeline. And I will say this. I will even go as far to say this. There are times I said, you know what? I'm not doing it today because it's snowy or it's this or that. And I've never had an issue with, well, get up there anyway. She's never made me do it. I've done it to myself. Well, I've got to get up there because she said da-da-da-da-da-da. So I better... And I say all that to say... Anger, bitterness, frustration is not about people that you're connected to. It's not about people that you're in relationship with, even your spouse. That battle is against an enemy named the devil. Anything that we take and apply that to anyone else or anything else, including our past, including our circumstances, including people, we are fighting the wrong enemy. Several, several years ago, Pastor Jim uh, spoke a message on the shadow mission. And if you don't, if you don't weren't here, let me just briefly, briefly summarize. You know, there are mission. There's a mission that God gives us, but sometimes we get so focused on the details of the shadow part of that mission that we focus on that and not on the true calling that God has for us. I believe in a similar way. Many times we we pour our attention and our time into the shadow enemy. What the, the results of what the enemy brings about is what we pour our time into. It, it, a bad day, a struggling day, then we, we start fighting against the wrong enemy. The wrong enemy is people, circumstances, my past. And we allow all that stuff to, to pull us down and pull us back which is the enemy's goal, is to bring us down, like I mentioned a few moments ago. We can make a list of justified complaints of our perceived enemy. Focus so much of our time on that, that we miss the true battle. I'm gonna show you a video clip here in a moment. Um, I love good movies that have great messages. And... In this movie, it, it, it's about a, a husband and wife conflict, and the wife is bringing a list of justified gripes concerning her husband to this other woman that's trying to help her. Watch this. If you remember this movie, you'll recall this section. Let's watch this.
1: Oh, that's almost three pages. And I could write more, but you'll get the gist of it when you read it. Actually, I'm not going to read it. My question to you is this. In light of all these wrongs, does God still love Tony? We both know he does. Do you? (laughs) Now, Miss Clara, you're meddling. (laughs) There's love in my heart. For Tony, but it's just buried under a lot of frustration. So he needs grace. Grace? I don't know that he deserves grace. Do you deserve grace? Miss Clare, you have a habit of backing me up in a corner and making me squirm. I felt the same way. But the question still remains, do you deserve grace? The Bible says that no one is righteous, not even one for we have all sinned. So really none of us deserve grace, but we all still want God's forgiveness. Elizabeth, it comes down to this. Jesus shed his blood on the cross. He died for you, even when you did not deserve it. And he rose from the grave and offers forgiveness and salvation for anyone who turns to him. But the Bible also says that we can't ask him to forgive us while refusing to forgive others. I know, Miss Clara, but that's just so hard to do. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But that's where grace comes in. He gives us grace, and he helps us to give it to others, even when they don't deserve it. We all deserve judgment. And that is what a holy God gives us when we don't repent and believe in his son. I had to forgive Leo for some things. And it wasn't easy, but it freed me. Elizabeth, there's not room for you and God on the throne of your heart. It's either him or it's you. You need to step down. Now, if you want victory, You're going to have to first surrender. But, Miss Clara, do I
0: just back
1: off and choose to forgive and then just let him walk all over me? God is a good defense attorney. Trust it to him. And then you can turn your focus to the real enemy. The real enemy? The one that wants to remain hidden. The one that wants to distract you and deceive you and divide you from the Lord and your husband. You see, that's how it works. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is stealing your joy. He is killing your faith. And he's trying to destroy your family. If I were you, I would get my heart right with God. And you need to do your fighting in prayer. And you need to kick the real enemy out of your home word of God. It's time for you to fight Elizabeth. It's time for you to fight for your marriage. It's time for you to fight the real enemy. It's time for you to take off the gloves and do it.
0: I'm going to ask the worship team to come on and back up. Let's close our, close our eyes, bow our heads. Father God, it's time we confront the real enemy it's time that we recognize that everything else that we have fought against that is not a spiritual understanding of the true enemy those are all things that are just symptoms just fruits of of what the enemy has tried to produce we need to cut it off at the root we need to recognize that the battles that we deal with are from the devil himself. And everything else is just a manifestation of what he's trying to do. We read today, Father, that your word tells us that the lion, he, he, he comes about he, like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Father God, I pray today that we Remember that we recognize the lion roars because we are in his territory. The lion roars because we are battling against him on his turf. The enemy says, I have control over this person. I have control over this child. I have control over this workplace. But we know, Lord God, that as we look at the real enemy, we can be released from focusing our battles on those things. And just come to you in prayer. Come to you through the declaring of your word. Through the declaring of your promises. Recognizing that you have come, that we might have life and have life more abundantly. Have life to the fullest extent. Lord, we recognize that that is your purpose and we walk in that purpose and in that promise. No longer do we become intimidated because of the purpose of the enemy, which is to destroy us. He has no power, no authority in this place, in our homes, in our jobs, in our families, in our schools. And any time that we, we relinquish that authority, Father God, I pray that you will convict us, that we recognize who the real enemy is. And we pull back the walls and the curtains that the enemies tried to put up in disguise and hide. Today, Father, today, Father God, I pray that you will just let your spirit of grace rest in this house. There are some situations that we are justified in of being upset, but we do not need to be under the pressure and tension of that any longer we can allow grace to work in us just as your grace has worked in us and through us. Just as you have forgiven us and you provided grace and you've been faithful and you've provided hope, I pray, Father God, that we can do that in situations and circumstances that we see no positive outcome, but we can release it because that's not our battle. That's not our enemy. Today, we recognize who the one true enemy is, just like we know that you are the one true holy God. You are the one way to heaven, Jesus. And in that same manner as we focus on that and focus and meditate on your word and on your purposes, we can remove the purposes of the enemy because they have no right no authority in our house. Thank you, Jesus.